Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Joining us on the line now is Dr. Ben Rolf uh, of the Communicable Disease Threats Initiative. Ben is on the line joining us from Europe right now uh, in Austria. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for getting up early for us. Good morning, Ben. No problem. Uh, hey ben, what's, uh, what's the latest that we have on the COVID-19 situation across Europe? Uh, is it still as dire as it was a week ago? Uh, I would say it's a mixed picture with some good news and bad. So um, I'm based here in Vienna, Austria, and after three weeks of lockdown, we're now seeing cases plateau with just about 400 cases a day, which is great. And the government are due to make a, a big announcement today about what they're planning to do in terms of the lockdown. So we're anticipating that. Germany, similarly, they've been great with testing. They're now at 6,000 uh, 6, cases a day and looking stable. If you squint, you, you can potentially see a slowdown. Um, that's not replicated elsewhere. France still growing. Uh, the UK, of course, not showing any signs of slowing. And, uh, and then, of course, we have the U.S., which is uh, looking very worrying indeed. Yeah, Europe has been on lockdown for, for quite some time, as you mentioned, several weeks now. Wouldn't, wouldn't we expect to sort of see those cases starting to plateau more generally across perhaps France or, or, or Spain, other places? Yeah, France is surprising. I mean, I think in, in Austria, we've seen very good public understanding and compliance of the lockdown measures, and that's coming through in the numbers, no question. Uh, in France, I think compliance has been perhaps a little weaker, um, and so it's not coming through in the figures. And in fact, France are now redistributing patients with special trains. They've uh, transported over 500 patients on special trains just to make sure they can spread um, infected people who need medical care uh, in line with their medical capacity. So, yeah, it's, it's disappointing what we're seeing elsewhere, but certainly uh, possibly Germany and definitely Austria are making good progress. Yeah, of course, we're seeing uh, massive uh, numbers racking up in the U.S. as well. I know that's not where you're, where you're focused on right now, but uh, just to goes to show that across the world we're still dealing with this uh, in a very serious way. Uh, interestingly, I had uh, uh, Eric Olander on earlier from Ho Chi Minh City, and today is the first day that they have not had a new case in Vietnam. Uh, so it, it looks like an interesting, uh, hopefully a, a recurring development uh, in that country as they have locked down for a, a number of weeks now. Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, testing is key with all of this. You know, in a lot of the ASEAN countries, we don't have enough testing to really have a good sense of where the epidemic is going. I think Vietnam is probably an exception. Of course, Singapore is certainly an exception. Uh, and But China have been very good with testing. And, you know, the interesting thing we're seeing now is China are really on top of their epidemic. Um, but with the U.S. at 32,000 cases a day now, you know, in the darkest days of the Wuhan crisis, they were looking at 2,000 cases a day. Yeah. And you remember the media hype and all, all of the mobilization around that. 32,000 cases a day in the United States is, is, is frankly petrifying. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, recently, and we're talking with Dr. Ben Rolf of the Communicable Disease Threats Initiative, you have been uh, looking closely at the emerging COVID-19 research, and you've been doing some commentary and thinking about where all of this is headed. Well, what are some of your broader thoughts about, uh, as you're looking at the political, the economic, the uh, epidemiological uh, el elements of this pandemic? Well, I think we're now coming from the kind of initial emergency stage into a point where we're looking forward to, to where this might go in the medium to long term. 
And in fact, um, Harvard Center for Communicable Disease Dynamics just did a, a nice article in Stat News called Navigating the COVID Pandemic that articulates this very well. But in a nutshell, the two most credible models that look at how this is going to play out in the UK and the US, for example, are really predicting that in a sense we have three scenarios. One is that we let the pandemic run through to herd immunity and the UK briefly toyed with a version of that idea and, and, and realized it was not wise when they looked at the projected mortality. The second is intermittent phases of distancing and then relaxing that when the burden um, comes up and trying to maintain within what health services can manage. And then the third, in a sense, is the Singapore model, which is really making sure you are fully on top of the epidemic, tracing every contact and keeping it, uh, keeping it at very low levels. The challenge with all of this is ultimately the human population are fully susceptible to this virus. And the modeling is indicating that to get through to any length of immunity in the population, we could be looking at 18 months to two years or even longer. Wow, that that is just um, that's a frightening thought when you think of the of the human toll for sure, but then also of, of course the economic toll as well. Uh, and I, and I know that's been part of your your thinking as well over these uh, these last few days. That's right. In fact, there's a very a very interesting press briefing. The World Health Organization yesterday invited the managing director of the IMF into their press conference. She noted that 90 countries have now asked for emergency IMF funding. Uh, that's 90 countries six weeks into potentially a two-year crisis. So I think you're right in saying the economic consequences of this will be as serious as the health consequences. Um, But certainly the ability of governments to show that they are managing the epidemic and finding new ways to maintain economic activity whilst suppressing the growth of the virus is going to be critical. And again, Singapore leads the world. When you look at your work, uh, you've done so much work with other uh, diseases over the years and uh, with mosquito-borne diseases, for example. Is there, are there any parallels, anything that you can extrapolate from that experience looking at long-term uh, growth or support for uh, countries or, or, or cities or environments? Anything you can, you can bring from that experience that might be useful when we think about this larger global pandemic? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there are two things. One is money. You know, governments that invest in their public health infrastructure, like Singapore, like China, have done very well. Countries that have historically not had a strong public health infrastructure, a lot of private sector uh, healthcare without safety nets for the poor, and I put US in, into that bucket, um, have not fared so well. So one is you've got to have a, a well-funded, smoothly operating public health system. The other is data. You know, it's critical in this epidemic that we are testing as many cases as possible and we have a very good sense of where the cases are. You cannot fight a battle if you don't know where the war is. Mm. And again, uh, Singapore and other, other countries like Germany have done fantastically. Um, uh, for example, the U.S. and the U.K. less so. And, and right now, uh, you know, even though so many countries are really in the midst of battle, uh, as you rightly mentioned, is, is there anything that they should be looking forward to? Uh, any systems, any things that they can put in place right now that might help as eventually this uh, pandemic tails off? I think we're going to need to increasingly rely on technology. You know, Singapore has a tracing app which they're encouraging people to download. We notice in the U.S. that they've been using data from digital thermometers that are connected to the Internet, and they're able to track the number of fever cases across the country, which is providing vital data. I think with technology, we will get much better at this social distancing, and we will find ways to reduce transmission in the population and to identify cases with less disruption 
than we're seeing now. So I would really be looking at some technological solutions in the medium term to try and reduce the disruption. All right. Thanks to uh, Dr. Ben Rolf, the CEO of the Communicable Disease Threats Initiative uh, on the line from Austria with us today. Much appreciate your time and your comments, Ben. Thanks, Ben. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.